The Lord's given me 400 finished strong Proverbs, and I was going to read a couple of them tonight. Uh, I've already read this one to the, the early crowd or whatever you call it. Luck is a lie. It doesn't exist. Life is composed by the words of our mouth and the seed that we sow. The resilient man takes strong responsibility for his future. And then I wrote down, your faith within your prayers changes everything. So apparently and obviously we shouldn't go to prayer without faith. But no man should complain about an insignificant life that he is framed by little dreams and feeble words. Amen. And that's I wanted to read that tonight for what we're going to minister on tonight. If you would, uh, where did we go? Did we go to Genesis? Okay, that's a good place. I, I concur. <laughs> uh, chapter 12. Christians should not struggle with faith. Christians should... <laughs> gotcha, girl. <laughs> Christians should not struggle with faith. It's an expertise. It's a craft. It's a... It's a uh, it's what we do. I've watched Joey Gann work with sheet metal, and I am totally amazed. I am totally astounded every time I see him work. The last time I saw him work, I'm just going to talk about him while we're in the, class, in the room tonight. Uh, he, he built something for us out at uh, Coker, and it was that outside ductwork that goes to that package unit. So I thought he'd take a notebook out there and start scribbling and measuring and everything. He did measure a couple of times, and then he, he wrote it on his hand. Palm Pilot, there you go. And uh, it, I don't want to talk about my brother, but I couldn't read it. <laughs> I've seen more educated chickens that could get a communicate through, so I'm just kidding. But uh, he came back the next day. And I helped him slip that little piece of ductwork in that had lots of hookups, lots of uh, places it had to be just right. And I'm telling you, it was, there wasn't an eighth of an inch out of whack anywhere. And uh, it's just a craft. But he's, he's a craftsman. He's, uh, he's done that. Well, we should be craftsmen in faith. It's what we do. It's not, you're not a professor or a plumber or a, uh, Tin Smith, you're, you're a Christian. And Christians are known not just because we go to heaven. That's what we've been told, that that's all we have to do is to know how to get to heaven. That takes 13 seconds, and then you can put that in your pocket and go to the house. But that's not the truth of it. Faith should not be hard. We should not struggle with faith. Matter of fact, it is our testimony to the world. Not how much we can quote and not amazing Bible facts about Lot's wife and Sodom and, you know, all that sort of stuff. That's not how we're known. There's people that can out-speak you and me just circles around us through an intellect or a, a knowledge. But you can't duplicate faith. And it'll serve you better than anything that you could put your attention to in this world. Because there's no substitute. So uh, just like it's a spiritual matter. Faith is a spiritual matter exactly as language is a soul matter. 
we don't claim in Alabama to speak English, but we, we do hit at it. And we do, it, it's traced back to a root. You know, the root language of this is English. <laughs> it's Alabamian. But it's, it's like that in that we should be craftsmen in faith. And yet, and yet, it's so intimidating that most people don't even want to approach it. They just want to kind of get in faith enough so that somebody that's really in faith could come in beside them and they'd know what they were talking about. So in Genesis chapter 12, this is, this is faith man, Abraham. The Lord said, the, now the Lord had said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house into a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. He said, I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curseth thee. And in thee all families of the earth shall be blessed. So he's made him a family promise there even at his old age, but it would be quite a promise at any age that he had. Uh, as you and I know, we have lots of different ranges and gauges of life some things are absolute and some things are not. Uh, you know, close enough for horseshoes and close enough for hand grenade. That's the old saying. It doesn't have to be an exact thing. You don't have to have a laser precision landing. Just get closer than anybody else and you'll take care of business. Uh, but some things like a light switch are not gradient. They're not phased in, phased out. You're either on or you're off. And you can't even hold the switch up and get a half light, you're either off or it's all the way on. And, uh, but it seems like, and I'm going somewhere with all this, I'm just setting this up here. It seems like that uh, people want a progressive faith. They want a faith that says, I, I want to believe a little and get a little. And it just, it just it makes them mad, as it were, that that's not the way it works. You, you got to be all in, don't you? Faith is that light switch. It's you're on or you're off. And there's no little bit of this and get a little bit of, of results. And then if you want more, you just throw in a little bit more. And that's probably what bothers people about faith more than anything. In James chapter 1, you don't have to go there. I'll jump right in there. James chapter 1. Other side, other side. In, in verse, uh, verse 6, it says, But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. So the gradient's out of there, nothing wavering. Not a little dabble do you, or this is pretty good. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man, here, here's where most of the church is, for let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. <laughs> So it's all or none. You got to get it right. Kind of like brain surgery. Nobody is hiring a brain surgeon that's got a 50%, 60%. Oh, I, I got 70% of my people lived. You know, we're, we're just like next. We're, we're looking around, aren't we? And that's the way faith is. We got to work at it. We got to develop it until it works. And the challenge in America in this age is that we have so much that's medical that we really don't want to bother with that. And we have so much that's financial. We have so many nets in our government that 
you'll, you'll never be on the, well, you will be on the street, but there's always a way to get around it. That's what I'm trying to say. Hallelujah. So I want to talk about prosperity just a little bit and just tweak. Can we just tweak how we believe tonight? We all believe in prosperity or more aptly said supply or being funded. It's not that it's laying around everywhere. We know that prosperity is not that it's laying around everywhere or stacked up. It's on demand. We have it when we need it. And there's plenty that we have in order to give to others and to make our way for uh, the, the kingdom. So, but the reason that a lot of Christians don't prosper is because they don't believe to prosper. So there's a hundred ways to go after prosperity without actually going after prosperity after being supplied or funded that sound like it, but they're not really faith. So what people do, it seems, just observing, just, just, to, just judge yourself. That's all this is tonight. Just judge yourself. We're going to put the standard out there from the word. And if you hit it nailed on, well, praise God. If you need a, an adjustment. But it seems like most people in their prosperity are in a survival mode. That's when faith comes out. Otherwise, it's like I got a check last week. What do I need faith for? They're in a improve mode. We need to get our faith in here a little bit to, uh, to help us get more. Uh, that's where we come up with jobs and better jobs. We want to improve. It's a, it's a get by and a do better tool. And I'm not saying it doesn't work. I'm just saying we have none of us seen the results that we believe all sufficiency in all things abounding to every good work. We, we, we've seemed to not be able to mesh with that description in the word. Would y'all agree with me there? That we say, you know, there's a ways to go. We hadn't tapped that out yet. So here's the thing I'm going to say, uh, because this is the evidence of, of the kingdom, of the covenant. Wealth is the evidence of the covenant. And so we might say that we are debt free, therefore we're prosperous. I certainly would be happier debt free than not debt free. But would, would you be able to say the Bible definition or the Bible protocol for faith is described totally by being debt free? But you can't be debt free until you prosper. But you can be debt free and not prosper. So let's just let's just pull that out a little bit. Poverty can reign even while quoting prosperity scriptures. And I've been, you know, coming from West Texas and, and but anywhere. It's not just my family. It's not they're just as regular out there as we are here. And and everybody is the same everywhere. There's an angst about prosperity. A misunderstanding and I've been sorely criticized over the years and maybe I told you that the other day that maybe I shouldn't have been so far over there but being debt-free is not the goal because we know the man under the bridge is debt-free <laughs> lottery lottery winners are debt-free for a season but they're not prosperous. And uh, 
The homeless are debt-free, but they're not prosperous. These are extreme examples. So if, if debt-free was truly, and here's, here's where I want to go with it. I want to align what we think we believe with what's true so that we're not running a parallel to truth, but never crossing the track. For instance, you could say I'm on the edge of breakthrough all your life and never breakthrough. You could just get that thing nailed down. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Instead of saying, like faith says, it's here, it's here, it's here. So it's just a little adjustment. A lot of it's semantics. So if debt-free is the priority, we ought to liquidate and live wherever we have enough money, under the bridge or in a rent property or in a tent or whatever. If, if being debt-free is truly what we aspire, and I do, I do aspire to be debt-free. We do. All of it. Oh man, no, nothing except to love him. So if we wanted to be debt-free, truly, if that was our real goal, we could be there in 60 days. You could get on, uh, what is it that Facebook has? The marketplace. And you could shovel that stuff out the door and you could get something for everything. You know about this if you've ever had to move across the country. That's how that works already or change houses. So it, 60 days we could liquidate and we could be debt free, but we would not be happy. And we wouldn't say that the Bible had been consummated. Genesis 13. I should have had you put your finger there, but it's, uh, it's over there by the index. Genesis 13. Uh, that's Exodus. Look what it says in verse uh, 1 and 2. It says, Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and lot with him into the south. And Abram was very rich. Let's say it together. And Abram was very rich. It showed what he was rich in, but that's how you measured rich back then. You might measure it in gold now or something like that, but he was very rich. I, these adjectives are just annoying that you can't just say rich. I mean, rich, what, what, is, what is rich? Rich is rich. But then when the Bible says about this man, he was very rich. So there's just the rich boys here, and then there's very rich. There's always a standard out there so that we don't get caught up in a, in a, a, normal, a normalization of it. Uh, but still, would you know that even though Abraham, Abram was very rich, he was not full. So being debt-free would be very wonderful, but it wouldn't satisfy. It wouldn't make you full, especially if you were debt-free and didn't have much cash flow and didn't have much assets, but you didn't have any debt. That may be the first place you go when you're going to prosperity, but it's not enough by itself. So it says that Abram in chapter 12, God told him he'd be the father of a nation. In uh, chapter 15, right here, slip over to chapter 15, verse 1 said, these, After these things, so there's lots of things that happened there. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. 
You know, that'd be pretty cool to say even of ourselves in this day. Lord, I believe that you are my shield and my exceeding great reward. I believe that's pretty much going to cover it, don't you all? The Lord didn't elaborate much after that and said, well, now I, I, got, I got some real special camels and some donkeys for you. And I got a no, he just said, uh, I'm thy shield. I'm your protection. And I'm your provider, thy exceeding great reward. And I looked up the word great reward and it means what you think. But it's also got the two words in the definition. One of them is muchness. That's not that doesn't just roll off your tongue. Muchness. And the other word that was there is heaps. I am your exceeding great reward. Muchness, I'm your muchness. And I'm your heaps. Isn't that funny? In a way. How the Lord gets us off track of how we would measure wealth or measure him being our reward. And say it looks like this in the modern American mind. This is what it looks like. This is how we would translate that. And he said, no, it's just muchness and it's just heaps. So uh, in chapter, in verse two, it says, Abraham, Abram said, Lord God, what would that give me? So here's a little pushback. Can you imagine exceeding great reward? I'm your muchness. I'm your heaps. And he says, he started whining. Or that's, that's what it seems like to me. He said, uh, Lord God, what will you give me? Seeing I go childless and the steward of my house is this, that word this just means, is this Eleazar. <laughs> He's like, that's all I got. He's not much of Damascus. This is, this is all I got is Eleazar, you know, and he misses a lot of spots when he vacuums the carpet. You know, he's just not that much and that's all I got. So I don't know if he's whining or not there or if it's different than that, but it looked like he could lean into the wine. Uh, Y'all, do we all recognize the wine? We, we know when we've whined, we've dressed it up best we can, but actually it's just a plain old wine. I've heard Deborah Hand say to me, said, would she, she, she said, would you like a little cheese with that wine? <laughs> well, <laughs> she... She puts me in my place. Hallelujah. I didn't whine. That wasn't a whine. But God had already in chapter 12 promised him a son, said many nations. But Abram couldn't see it. But Abram couldn't see it. But Abram couldn't see it. So lesson number one here is just because you can't see it doesn't mean God hadn't promised it. And it doesn't mean he's not good for it. Matter of fact, that would be one of the main attributes of getting into faith is that you become an expert of not seeing while you're looking and seeing. I, I, if you get that mastered, you're pretty much calling things that be not as though they were. And Romans 4 tells you that you're way down the road when you can call things that be not. God said, that's the way I do business. And if you did business like I did business, you'd have business like I have business. So here's the key. We're just, these are just simple little things I want to bring out. As long as Abram couldn't see his son, God could not give him one. But you know this is the plan. We've got to get the Messiah in the earth. And it's a long ways out. And there's a lot of crooked roads to maneuver. Bad kings like Saul and, and uh, crazy men and... 
and we got to somehow and get in the lineage of everybody. It's got to work out in every generation that we get the Messiah into the world. That's that's what this is. The Old Testament. That's what it's all about is maneuvering and strategizing the Lord to navigate among all the things that we all are worldly and none of them born again. So it's like herding cats, I heard someone say, you know, <laughs> hallelujah. Mark eleven twenty four says, what things soever ye desire when you pray. What does it say? Believe you receive them and ye shall have them. So there's that believing you receive them before you have them. So it's a caveat. It's it's uh, it's it's got a connection. So sometimes the Lord will often if you look, he'll help us with our faith because we're real good at cutting tin or sewing cloth or working in a computer or whatever all of y'all do that you are experts at. And that anybody that would pull up a chair next to you would just be in awe of the skills that you possess and the expertise and the, and the uh, just the ex expertise that you have, that we'd all just go, wow, and you go, well, it took me a long time to get here. Wouldn't you all have to say that? We'd, it should, should take a while if it's worth anything. But faith, we're expected to master it right away. So it must be simple, but it must be exact. It's like the brain surgeon. Just because he can cut the lid off doesn't mean he knows what to do when he gets in there. Hallelujah. <laughs> Don't look, Ethel. Hallelujah. So verse 4, he says in uh, chapter 15, he said, uh, oh, excuse me, verse 3. And Abram said, Behold me, thou hast given no seed, no children. And lo, one, in, one born in my house is, and, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir possessor. And behold, the word of the Lord came. Now, this is so cool. The Lord's having a conversation in this dream, came and said, saying, this shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. Wow. I mean, finally, Abram had it figured out and the Lord said, no, you, you don't know anything. It's real good when the Lord tells you you don't know anything because you can change tracks. You can change roads. You can change your approach. If no one ever tells you that you're going down the wrong road, you'll keep going down the wrong road and you'll run out of time and you'll have a wreck because what you were supposed to do by faith didn't get done and whatever that was depending on didn't happen. So it's good to have correction. It's good to have a stop. You're going the wrong way. And that's why, that's why, one reason why we have what we call church or this, this season here don't mistake, it's not liturgical. It's not like we're going to swing a censer around here and we're going to have the pointy hat and we're going to, we're going to hootie doody and, and all that. That's not what this is. This is for to disciple our lives that we're on it. We're on it with the Lord. We're, we have our personal faith, our personal assignment. We're navigating. We're, 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 not, we're trying to wrestle not with flesh and blood, although they're everywhere. And so we come to church and Holy Ghost says, what's this? I'll have him talk about stuff that he has no idea about, she has no idea about, and I'm fixing to fix your situation and tell you to stop, turn 38 degrees, and go that way and you'll run right into it. 
Now, if you sleep in church, that you might have missed the whole point of church because it's not checking roll. It's so powerful. It's so powerful, potentially. The capacity of it is amazing. And we give no credit to the speaker. I mean, he, he and she should pay attention and navigate. And I spend most of my time trying to figure out what to do, not how to do it. Once I know what to do, I'm like Joey with the, those tin snips and that scrawl on his hand. I can get in and get it done. At least I think I do. But it's knowing what to do. So that the Lord has got you and I in mind. This seems earthly. This seems natural. This taking up the offering is the most natural thing. I mean, real ink on real paper going into a real bucket and they take it out of your account and you don't know where it goes. You don't know if the electric bill got it all or you don't know. And because we give it to him and and in the giving to him, we do it naturally. We don't go to a secret box that's got heaven on it. And we it's all natural. And that really does mess up a lot of people, how natural it is. But faith is involved. If it wasn't, if it wasn't natural, if we had a holy, a holy shoot or something that we dropped it in and we saw the you and it went up to heaven, we wouldn't need faith for that because we'd say God got his. <laughs> we, we'd say he got his. But now we don't know if he got his. Without faith, we don't know. And nobody even pays attention to your offering, whether you tithed or gave or... Nobody knows and nobody really, you hate to say it, cares because that's your business. That's my business. It's in, I'm in faith about it. And so I need correction if I'm going the wrong way. Because there's a, did you know that all the, however many books are in the New Testament, 26? Is that about how many there are? Yeah, 26 and, there's 60. Anyway, I should have looked it up. <laughs> How many books are there, Annette? 66 total. 66 total. Good girl. That's right. That's, that's close enough. Uh, uh, my point is, is not how many there are, but the New Testament is amazingly vague about how to do church. It talks about some elders. It talks about some uh, evangelists and, and, and apostles. And it talks about the, the elder that treadeth that, the, that uh, is worthy of double honor, that he brings the word. So we have this kind of a fog that goes by and we just see it and we just say, Holy Ghost, how do you want me to do it? And we believe we hear. And why do we have church on Sunday? Well, it's because it's the holy day. No, it's not. There's no holy day. They're all holy. We have Sunday church because it's culture. Because America does it. But if, if culture shifted to Tuesday, we'd be here on Tuesday morning bringing in the cheese. I'm way off here. I got to get back on. Verse 4, chapter 15, verse 4. That he shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. He's talking about it's not Eleazar. And so the point there would be he had been looking at Eleazar, and he could get no son. Now, apparently, I, I want to be discreet here. 
but apparently him and Miss Sarah had been doing, they weren't just waiting for a biological miracle. We'll say that. Hallelujah. And so, so he, he was expecting, he could have been expecting a baby, but he wasn't. He was looking at Eleazar and said, this is all I've got. And then he blamed God. He shifted to God and said, uh, he said, uh, what wilt thou give me seeing I go childless? So he's pretty rankled. Have you ever been kind of cheddered up in your faith where you're just like, this is not working. This is supposed to work faster. This is supposed to work better. This is not the way it's supposed to go. I, I, you could almost think, never say, but I could have done this good without faith. I, I could have got this done and not messed it up like, like this without ever going to God and believing his word. And of course, we never say that. But he needed a miracle. And I'm here to tell you this evening, the Lord has got miracles. Not to do what your faith is supposed to do, but to keep you in the game, to keep you in the process, to keep you going. And so he says, uh, he said, uh, verse five, don't you just love verse five? And he brought him forth abroad. So they went outside and said, now look toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, so shall thy seed be. Well, nobody thinks in those terms. No. Stars? There, there's a thousand stars Thousand to fifteen hundred stars that are visible. There's way more than that, but that's what's visible. And he believed in the Lord and he counted unto him for righteousness. So he saw the stars that he'd always been seeing. Y'all know these weren't new stars. They weren't in a different place. He'd always seen the stars. The Lord said, look at the stars. And then he connected it to what his faith was supposed to be doing. That's how many seeds you'll have. I would suppose Abraham would have been happy to just get one. But the Lord didn't just say one or three or six. He said, I got you in my mind. You need to take care of this. You need for your faith to work. And family, I'm going to tell you tonight, the Lord's got something importantly powerful in your life that's not nonchalant, not casual. He wants you to make this work. How important? Well, we won't know until on this side. But just let's just say, how about the man that got Billy Graham born again? Wow. You hear stories about that and you go, well, that was a long shot. And I know the Lord had other people lined up. Maybe Billy wasn't the first, but he certainly was the best. And he's got you in that same tier, that same group that he doesn't say, well, Billy was my best, but I'm coasting now. That's just not how it works. Abram was a good boy, and I've been, going, I've been looking since then. He's found you, and he's found me. And he said, this stuff works. You can't lose with the stuff I'm going to use. Faith is going to get it done. So we have to be adjusting. We can't be good enough. Horseshoes, hand grenade is not going to get it with faith, but yet we've been, we've been like, whatever. Well, we're in an entitled society. We're in, a, we're, we're in a generous culture. And so we do pretty good without God. And that's why people don't want to get in the church is because they fight and fuss and carry on, don't know what they believe, have weird doctrine and, and uh, very uh, 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 clicky and all that sort of stuff. Why do they join the joint church when nobody can get anything more done than they get done? 
They're the poorest people in the block. And they're the sickest people in the block. So if we were to get debt free, we got a house paid for. Praise God, I like a paid for house, don't y'all? I mean, let's, let's just, let me just tell you. It, when, when they say it feels good to feel good, it feels good not to have a mortgage. And you know just how that feels. It's, it's more than the $1,000 a month or whatever. It's way more than that. It's something spiritual. And you go, yeah, but it's 30 years. No, it's not. You just hadn't seen it yet. You just hadn't. We need to take you out and look at some stars. We need to take you out and look at the seashore. Anybody up for a beach trip? Hallelujah. <laughs> Go to the beach and we'll say, this is you. Very rich. Abram was very rich. And God liked him better than anybody. And he hadn't liked anybody like that since. No, he wasn't even born again. That's what's so amazing. Is that we can't seem to get launched what Abram did without the new birth. So if you were to get a paid-for house, and you would be what we call house poor. You ever heard house poor? People that are house poor, they, they got a house, but they don't mow, they don't paint, they don't, you know house poor. They don't have enough money to do anything. And if anything happens to their house, it, that's the way it stays for the next three years. And you just hate to live next door to them. House poor. So they got a house. Maybe they even have a paid-for house, but it's, it's no good. So if you put out of debt before prosperity, you will fail. That's where I'm going with this. Let's just say it. If you put out of debt before prosperity, you will fail. Because they're not the same thing. Chapter 17. Look, let's look in verse uh, 1. And when Abram was 90 years old and 9... The Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the almighty God. Walk up before me and be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with thee. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound like what the Lord Jesus has done for us? Thou shalt be a father of many nations, neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham, for a father of many nations have I made thee, and I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. So he changed his name. And you and I have to change our name. We've got to change out of I'm debt free. Praise God. I mean, that's no small deal. And we are not belittling it at all. But... If you shoot a gun, a high-powered rifle, and you are off a long target, and you're off two degrees in a long length, you might be off 10 yards. But if you're just, if you're just six yards in front of you shooting it, you nail it. So the further we go, the, the more correction we need. But we can take correction. None of us were born with this. None of us are scholars at this. None of us just got the impartation button that we carry around saying, I'm instant. We all have to do this the same way. 
So Sarah got moved from what, Little Princess to, uh, what was her name? To Chief. <laughs> Who knew? Poor Abram. Hallelujah. And he got moved, he got moved from whatever Abram meant to father of many nations. So it makes a difference what they saw and how they addressed each other. It's important what you and I say. So we, we hadn't talked about confession in a while, and we probably need to. But words change you. Listen, words change you from hearing to seeing. And that's how you and I communicate with everybody. We, someone says the dog went by, and we, sit, we all saw a different dog. They said the black dog went by. Woo, we narrowed her down. Then they said the stinky black dog moved by or whatever. We suddenly those words translate to an image and we all see something. And if you go far enough with adjectives, you can all see the very same thing. Well, that's what this is. We got to see the very same thing. And we've interpreted things like in healing. Uh, we've said, well, we're just going to pray that the doctor will have wisdom from heaven to perform the operation. Well, I, I say, giddy up. That's good. That's good. I mean, and he does. He helps us wherever he can. But I want to tell you there's a higher way. It's just a higher way just to eliminate it, just take care of it and just move it out of the way instead of having a successful surgery or whatever. I'm not belittling that. Please don't take me out of context here. But I'm just saying we've settled. We've got out of debt instead of being prosperous. And we, it's good to go where you can. And it's good to max out wherever you are. But there's always more to go to. And that's what we should do. So uh, God's word is supposed to create an image in us. And that's why here lately I've been on these adjectives. All sufficiency in all things, always abounding to every good work, exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or think. I mean, just just wordy words and just extreme words. And it's like the Lord's trying to paint a picture in here that it's not just normal, common, everyday routine, natural. It's something special. Something that you have to go inside to fabricate with his word. You, you can't relate it to something, the dirty, black, stinky dog. You can't, you can't go there with his word. You have to go into your spirit and create from his word what he's saying. And then when you line up and aim, you'll hit what will produce instead of close enough hand grenades and horseshoes. And that's what we've had. And you go, well, you know, close enough. Well, what if it's what if it's 30 miles off? Oh, that might not be close enough. It might be that the world is living 20 miles off. And they're already doing better than you. And for sure, the world knows how to prosper better than Christians do because we mix them. We, we have some common sense here and we have some word here and we just mix it and we compromise both of them. I mean, they're taking money under the table. They're taking bribes. They're, they're on they're, all that stuff that you and I were going, oh, no, we wouldn't do that and we shouldn't. But we compromise the word and it's not, I'm trying to say it's not much different than what they do, but... If they do a little bad, they get a little good. If we do a little bad with our faith, it fails. It just doesn't work. You're double-minded. 
and it won't work in faith where it'll work in the world. Did I say that right? If you work the world kind of in a scheming, worldly, evil way, it'll pay you until you get caught. I mean, <laughs> I'm not recommending it. But faith won't be that way. So we don't do as good in some ways as the world. So we got to get on it. Uh, in Joshua 6, don't go there. He said, see, I have given you Jericho. Well, that's just, was that five words? Two, four, six words. What kind of picture, if you were Joshua, would you paint out of that? See, I have given you Jericho. Well, they hadn't even gone up against Jericho at that time. But the Lord said, see. Oh, Joshua saw Jericho down, go down. And you all know it went down. Then later in Joshua 8, he said, see, I have given unto thee thy hand, the king of Ai. Y'all know that story. See. So back to meditating. I've been on meditating for a while. And uh, Melissa talked about it in Hebrews 11 on Sunday. It was so good. Let me see if I can just wrap this up real, real quick. Uh, You can't just hear the word. That's what I guess I'm going to. You have to see the end of the word. So there's a step in between just reading or even meditating the word where you stop. You just stop and you listen to God say, see, I have given you Jericho. See, I have given you AI. Lord, I didn't see that. Oh, that's because you're working out of your head. You're working out of your culture. You're working out of tradition. Revelation will make you see your little band of, of, uh, of uh, country folks or whatever you have and those trained militia from whatever town you're up going against, you will see them. That's what Gideon had to do. He had 33,000. Well, he was feeling pretty oaty. She, he was feeling pretty good. I got 33. We may not take them with 33,000, but we are sure going to go give them a burn. And the Lord said, ah, let's, let's peel off all but, what was it, 20,000, 10,000. Peel them off. And then he said, I got too many. Peel those off, all but 300. 300 went up the hill. But Gideon had to see it. And the only way he could see it was to listen to the word and believe the word. So I'm on this exceeding abundantly above. I'm on this all sufficiency in all things. I'm like... If I come up short, it's like, that's not all sufficiency in all things. That's not abounding to every good work. It's me. I got to make an adjustment. I'm not seeing it like he's showing it. You go, well, how, how's he going to show it? Well, it was stars. Everybody had seen the stars. It was the sand. Everybody had seen the sand. But suddenly, Abraham saw it. He saw his children in the sky. He saw his children in the sand. And once you get that, you can't be stopped. So let me go back to what I said at the beginning, and then I will end right here. Christians should not struggle with faith. Spiritual matters are mastered like we master language. That's what the Lord told me as I was going out the door this evening. I said, okay.
good word. See, it's a tweaking word. I mean, we're not talking to a bunch of people here that don't know which come on from Sikkim. We, we all are, we're all gotten our fine tuning gloves out. You watch those sniper movies? Do y'all ever watch sniper movies? And he, he, you don't have to admit it. It's okay. I'll watch them for you. And, and the, the marksman's there, and he'll say, and he'll, he'll bark something to his guy next to him. He'll say, wind, wind six, six miles an hour northeast or something. And what will, that, what will that sniper do? He'll reach up and he'll tweak it. I've seen it a million times. I have no idea what it does, but I assume it moves the guide to compensate for the information. Well, that's what we need to do every day. I'm a master at faith. That's what you need to say. Faith is easy. I just call things that be not. But I'm a spiritual man. I'm a spiritual man. I'm, I'm born again. I'm a child of God. I do what he does. I do everything he's, he does. What he says is what I do. What I say. This is no problem. Because he said and showed lots. So it's like exceeding abundantly above. Until I get there, I'll just keep tweaking We're supposed to cast out devils. We're supposed to heal the sick. And we're supposed to be driving. I, I'm not into abundance and BMWs. and We're not talking about all that, but you ought to be driving right. I don't even want some of the vehicles that are out there. It's like, oh, we're going to bless you with this. I mean, that sounds funny, but, but we're all that way a certain amount. I guess. Lord, we thank you for helping us. Lord, we, we know, we at least know we need help. So thank you tonight. Lord, we're going to refocus. We're going to be more deliberate. And we're going to be like Abram who did not see it and kept saying Eliezer is the man until he saw what you were showing him. So Lord, today... Tonight, Lord, open our eyes. We, we ask you to help us see what you are showing every man and woman in here, every boy and girl. Lord, you're showing us tomorrow, and it is glorious. And we thank you for eyes to see and ears to hear. And we will do what, we, what you have shown us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah.